Welcome once again to No Apology with Emily and Chris. I'm Emily Danielson, and I'm really, really glad that you're spending a little time with us today. Uh, my husband, Chris, say hello, Chris. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we have a really good show planned for today, don't we? We do, and we're not going to wait to get into it with any no. kind of chatter about the Bible or about culture or about anything. <laughs> Who needs that Yeah, Bible No, we're going to get into the Bible anyway. apologetics and stuff like that, but there's somebody who's a special guest that we're about. We're just going to go straight to our special guest. Yes. Here he is. Uh, his name is Brian Dawson, and we're going to tell you who he is in just a second. But Brian, welcome to No Apology with Emily and Chris. Emily's brand new show, which I get to be a small part of, and now you get to be a small part of. I'm honored, and apparently I'm more important than the Bible. The way that you kind of teed that up so a little bit, I, I the, the you know the there's a lot of uh, hype uh, coming into this interview with with the start off like that. So I yeah, see what wow. I can. I love the on-air thing behind you. You're in your own podcast studio. Brian is the CEO. Yeah, Brian is the CEO of a of a brand new. Well, not brand new. It's about two years old. Uh, conservative media outlet called 1819 News and 1819 News. Uh, is an Alabama-based news organization, but 1819 is the year Alabama was founded. Now, Brian, you're our former affiliate rep. The last time the Chris and Emily show was syndicated nationally, you were our affiliate rep. And then Correct. together from that moment to now, which has been about seven years, you've grown into a handful of different opportunities. And I kind of been, a, you know, I was kind of in the sidecar with you for a chunk of it. And then you've just, yeah, and then you've just grown now to this this CEO, and we are so proud of you. Uh, but I'm going to hit you with a resume. Emily, you know what that resume is. Should I tell the people? I think, I think you should not. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because I think you should let Brian do the big reveal. You want to do the big reveal, Brian? The felony reveal. Yeah, the felony (laughs) reveal. There we go. The felony reveal. There it is. It's like gender reveal, but with, uh, with crimes. Brian was facing 300 and some years of uh, prison time and actually got sentenced to 16 years and then God intervened in a way that's hard to explain. And Brian, we just want you not only to share your story, but after we sh- you know, talk about your story some, I want to spin this into why we want to do a Bible apologetics type show that also has culture ramifications, also has a lot of fun. It's almost like a variety show. We're going to talk about Christian movies. We're going to talk about Christian music. But it's always going to come from an authentic biblical perspective. How important is that authentic biblical perspective to someone like you Who's been who watched Jesus basically tear up your prison sentence and give you a brand new lease on life? It's very biblical. What happened to you in reality in the flesh, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you know, and you know how I feel about Christian media uh, as as one of my best good friends over the last seven years. And I think what the word that you said is what's lacking in much of it is that word authentic, mm-hmm. right? And so. Um, I, I, I think that authentic piece is, and I think you come out and say, Hey, I, I have six felonies. God saved me in prison. Well, all of a sudden you're jumping into a level of authenticity, um, that, that most don't have, but also, um, just, I don't know, um, really where I'm going with that other than, um, you know, the word authentic, I think matters. And so you said, you know, how does, how does, how much does, um, Bible, culture, apologetics, all of those things. I think if you have authenticity in all of it and in the culture that we're living in, and in a world where people are getting canceled, I had a podcast earlier today mm-hmm. uh, with a guy that uh, was a professor at the University of Alabama, and um, they got rid of their uh, graduate requirement testing exam 
because it was causing some people to not look as good that maybe had different color skin than white people. Mm. And so they got rid of those and he's like, Hey, I don't know if that's a good idea. And so they fired him. And so that, that's the world that we're living in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing all the stuff with all the, you know, gender dysphoria and all the other stuff. And so, um, if Christians don't step up to the plate and start being authentic, I think, uh, we're, we're in serious trouble. And, um, one of the things I've always appreciated about you, both of you guys, uh, is that, that, uh, that you do, you guys do that. You've, you've, uh, you've stepped your toe into saying some tough things that have gotten you into a little bit of trouble on the radio before. And that may no. be my favorite thing about you guys. Yes, no, not us. <laughs> so, we've, we've, uh, we've lived controversy free for the last 20 years, Brian. <laughs> I was going to say maybe the last 20 minutes. But. Yeah, maybe the last 20 minutes. Yeah. So for sure. Um, but yeah. Um, but as far as my story goes, um, happy to share it. I'll try and keep it down. Uh, I mean, I can do a three hour version or a, or a 20 minute version. We're good. My, with uh, my, three hour my, version. my favorite version is the hour and 15 minute version, which you've taken down yeah. to 20 minutes. But needless to say, it's, you can't tell on camera. But Brian, you're kind of a big dude. And the the one that caught my attention when we first met was I learned that that Dog the Bounty Hunter uh, turned down the opportunity to go to Colorado Springs and try to bring bring in Brian Dawson. He said he didn't want to mess with you, and you beat a man yeah. to, a, to an inch of his life. I mean, you had all this back backstory. Tell us when when it started in the twenty minute version. It's hard to go all the way back to a child, but. Man, you were living through it, and God changed your life, and that's what's so am- amazing to me. Where do you want to start on this journey, Brian? Yeah, I'll start. Um, I'll start in administrative segregation, solitary confinement, and I'll clarify okay. too. And so, Dog the Bounty Hunter was already in Colorado Springs, and so he, I was where he was, and um, supposedly I was armed and dangerous, and my you know threat level was such that uh, he, who is also a felon who can't carry firearms, he has a paintball gun that uses uh, pepper spray bubbles that come out of the paintball gun. So anyway, I always want to clarify why he couldn't come after me. It makes me sound way too cool when like Dog the Bounty Hunter didn't want to come after you, but it's true. But it's it is true. true. Um, it's it true. is true. It is true. So, um, so yeah, I was, when I was 23 years old, I was sitting in the El Paso County Criminal Justice Center, which is the county jail in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I was facing 384 years in prison for attempted murder, aggravated robbery, and extortion. Um, and so here I am, you know, how does white suburban Brian, uh, you know, go from white suburban to six time felon facing 384 years in prison where dog, the bounty hunter doesn't want to go after you. And so, <laughs> you know, I'll back up to childhood and kind of do the Forrest Gump where we come from childhood to administrative segregation and then forward. Yeah. Um, Cause I, in the end, we, we end with you being CEO of a, of an up and coming powerful media uh, uh, opportunity that's let's that's just still call it doing... an empire, okay? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, let's let's so, hear about the backstory of the of the of the new Glenn Beck, Brian Dawson. Yes, there you yes. Go. There all right, hit it. The not Mormon Glenn Beck. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, so I was born in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, you know, you guys, it's it's an interesting another tie-in that we have. Uh, as you guys in the Robertsons and my family in the Robertsons, my dad grew up in West Monroe, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only people more poor than the Dawsons in West Monroe, Louisiana was the Robertsons, right? And my right. dad grew up with Phil Robertson. He is a West Monroe, Louisiana swamp redneck. That's my dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my mom was the daughter of a state senator. And they had no business being together. My dad got my mom pregnant, so they had me. And I always say that's my pedigree is the Louisiana redneck mixed with the state senator. And you put those two things together and you get 
uh, this. And so that Love was this. I yeah, like that. That's that was how I came into the world. And my parents got divorced when I was two. Courts put me with my uh, with my mom, which they tend to do just uh, knee jerk reaction. Uh, and it was a very poor choice to put me with my mom. Uh, this go round, um, and you know, every circumstance and every situation is different, but, but if they would have been doing their job, I don't think they would have done that. Mm. Um, and my mom was, um, had a lot of issues and, and, um, you know, she, she did the best she could. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was not really a healthy environment for my brother and I to be in. And so, um, from basically zero to 10, I was living with my mom. Um, she was an alcoholic. I had multiple stepdads. I used to watch her get, you know, abused by her husbands. Uh, it just wasn't good. And, um, you know, that affected me. And I always say kind of zero to 10 or what they call formative years in childhood. And a lot of the things that children need to, to, to form well, uh, I was lacking. And so I had a lot of, uh, issues not to get all Freudian, but you know, I had issues from that time period. And so when I was 10, I ended up moving in with my dad. There was a lot more structure there. Uh, my dad was very much the get up at four 30, go to work, put a roof over your head, put food on the table. We ate dinner as a family, had structure. It was good, but he, even to this day, is not a believer. And so, um, you know, there was, there was still some things that were missing, but it was good. And, and, I'm, and I'm very grateful for that time that I had with my dad mm-hmm. uh, that showed me kind of what normal life looked like and everything. But I still had those issues from zero to 10 with my mom. I was never comfortable in my own skin. But when I began to drink, when I was 14 years old, I started to drink alcohol. And that feeling went away of not being comfortable in my own skin. And so... I began to party all the time and I would drink to the point of blacking out. When I was 16. I got my driver's license and made a, made a fake ID. I was very uh, creative uh, type. And so I made a fake ID. And I was the life of the party, all those type of things. And so drinking turned into drugs. Drugs started with marijuana, then gotten into experimenting with other things. And I ended up getting in a big fight with my dad at the beginning of my senior year. Uh, he made me quit football and go to rehab or quit football and go live with your mom in Colorado. And I was living in Wichita, Kansas at the time. Um, and worth noting, I think, uh, in this is, um, it kind of, and and it'll circle back around the issues that I had. The reason I drank is because I wasn't comfortable in my own skin Mm -hmm. and not being comfortable in my own skin always made me awkward with the opposite sex. And so, you know, there was this, uh, it's, it's, I think it's exemplified best with this girl in eighth grade. I, you know, I was madly in love with her. I asked her to eighth grade graduation dance. We went. Afterwards, I professed my undying love to her and told her I wanted her to be my girlfriend. I said she gave me the Heisman and uh, put me in the friend zone. And that was pretty much it, my relationship. By the way, that didn't look like a forward. stiff arm. It looked like you were showing us your earbud case, just so you know, on camera. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. But she was giving there's, you the Heisman. There you the go. Heisman. There you go. There it is. <laughs> there it is. All right. And, eighth grade. Uh, Keep going. Yeah. So, and then that ended up basically being where I stayed with all girls. And that, you know, didn't do wonders for my, my self-esteem. Either. And so whatever, um, you'll see why that comes up here in a little bit. But anyway, um, yeah, so that was that was me. And so I, I moved to Colorado uh, the beginning of my senior year. My my brother was uh, driving a drug dealer around. Uh, it's like driving Miss Daisy, but it's driving the, the drug dealer. And he would drive him around and they would do deliveries. And I would sit in the back seat and I would watch this guy who was all the men wanted to be him. All the girls wanted to be with him, right? He had mm-hmm. tremendous respect. Yep. You know, the ladies liked him. He had stacks of money. I'm like, good grief. Is there anything this man doesn't have? And so I wanted to be like him. And so I mean, and you're how old now? Him. You're senior in high school, 17? I was, yeah, I was 17. Yep. I okay. was 17, about to be 18 when that happened. And 
So I wanted to, I wanted to be him. And so I began uh, working for him and I started selling weed next, you know, I started doing cocaine, realized real quick, you can't do cocaine and selling weed. So I started selling cocaine. Turns out what makes me really good at, you know, being a, a CEO that acquires capital for a media company made me really good at what I was doing then selling drugs. And, um, you know, within a few years I was pushing lots and lots of drugs for cartels in Colorado Springs. And, um, yeah. And so I got arrested multiple times in that stage of my life. And then towards the end, one of the times I got arrested, um, was I was running a motorcycle theft ring. We'd stolen a bunch of crotch crotch rocket style motorcycles that we had in storage units that we were trading to Mexican nationals that were coming across the border and they'd fill up covered trailers with these motorcycles we were stealing. They would take them across the border where they weren't stolen anymore and they would do whatever with them and they would trade me drugs for it. And so that thing got busted up and people got arrested and they went around pointing out all the storage units. And so, um, that, uh, that came to a screeching halt and I got arrested, but I, I went to county jail and they give you a thing called a discovery that tells you all the evidence that the state has against you. So it lists all the people that told on you. And I'm like, mm. I'm thinking I'm getting punked. I'm like, they're really giving me this list. And well, it turns out they have to. And so I end up bonding out and going and finding these people that told on me, uh, and beating them up. And one of them, uh, I beat nearly within an inch of his life. And that is where the attempted murder, aggravated robbery and extortion, uh, case came from. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it's worth kind of telling, you know, so what, what happened, I found out this guy told on me, went, knocked on his door, he opened the door, walked into his house. Um, and I said, you know, why'd you tell me? I didn't tell on you. I didn't tell on you. And so I actually had a taser and began to tase him, started to beat him, you know, beat him up. And he continued to say, you know, he didn't tell on me a guy I was with actually hit him in the head with a blackjack and blood went everywhere. We thought he was dead. Um, and that was, that was it. And, uh, mm-hmm. left there, told his brother who was there, um, that he needed to pay me the money that he was owed. Otherwise I was going to be back and do the same thing to him. And we stole a bunch of stuff out of the house when we left. Mm-hmm. And there's where you get your attempted murder, aggravated robbery, uh, and extortion charges. And so they put me in County jail. I'm thinking I'm going to do the rest of my life in prison. So I've got to be this tough guy. I've got to be this, you know, bad dude. And so I start clicking up with some of the gangs and stuff in there. I didn't join any gangs, but I was, I was kind of a hang around and, um, I started to get into fights and they'd say, Hey, you need to go take mm-hmm. care of this and you need to go take care of that. And I would go beat this person up, go beat that person up. Ooh. Well, finally I had ended up racking up two more assault cases while I was in County jail and they just had enough with me. And so they put me into administrative segregation. And so that is getting to the, uh, Forrest Gump on a bench part of the solitary confinement. But before God saved me, when I was in solitary confinement, which is you're in an eight and a half foot by 12 foot cinder block cell by yourself for 23 hours a day, you get an hour out to go um, make a phone call, take a shower, and then you're back in your cell. Mm. And before God saved me, I say that God thumped me uh, when I was in an ad seg. And so in that thumping, he showed me that this was my fault. And, you know, to us, normal, go deep, go deep on that people. for a second. How did he show yeah. you that it was your fault? Because, you know, you, you, I understand your condition, but God had to do something. What is define the thump for the audience today? So what it ultimately what, it, what I began to connect in my head was this was my fault. And to us, healthy, normal, responsible people, we understand that we're responsible for our choices, our thoughts, our feelings, our behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't understand that. I, I believed it was my mom's fault I was in there. It was my dad's fault I was in there. It was the cop's fault. It was the system's fault. It was the district attorney's fault. It was the judge's fault. It was the system's fault. I was a victim. <laughs> Why couldn't anyone see it, right? <laughs> and that was, I really believed that. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the the thump was your bad choices created these bad circumstances. You can make good choices that will create good circumstances. And when that click happened in my head, everything began to change. And again, how much can things change when you're in a cell by yourself? Well, it was enough for my grandma to take notice. And my my family had completely cut me off up to this point with except like a once a month phone call. And my grandma really sensed that something had changed in my life. And so we mm-hmm. began to talk and she kind of rallied my family around and I really began to get my family back in my corner and they started to notice the changes. And then as I was an ad seg, the, the district attorney came back to me. So if you remember, I was facing 384 years if I wanted to trial. Mm-hmm. They came back and offered me 32 years with a crime of violence uh, sentence enhancer to plea. So I could either go to trial and get 384 and I was going to get 384 because I was very, I was extra guilty. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were guilty. And, and there's, yeah, very. And so, um, so the, the plea bargain, I could plea out and they would give me 32 years. And so by the grace of God, I was able to get into a mediation hearing and I negotiated. And so I was able to negotiate that 32 year, uh, with a crime of violence down to a 16 year nonviolent crime. And that is what I ended up getting sentenced to was a 16 year, um, sentence to the Colorado department of corrections. And, um, that was, you know, and I didn't even get to the point where I was on the run. Um, so I'm trying to do the succinct version. The short I know version. you got it. We got it. Yes. Succinct <laughs> version. You know, there, there's a lot more to the story. But when you yeah. were on the run before you even got arrested, because I think it's kind of cool. Because, uh, look, your story, Brian, is a story that every Christian goes through spiritually. You went through it physically where we are guilty. Yeah. We, we, we need salvation. We need a Savior. We can't save ourselves. We, we, it doesn't matter how we got ourselves into the situation, but here we are. But the story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you tell the story, but, but I'm just going to let everybody know. It, it ends with Brian hanging out a window by his fingertips. Tell that yeah. story, bro. So, so we'll back up to before I got arrested. You know, well, so I got arrested for uh, you know, beating the guy nearly to death. I go to county jail. They charge me with attempted murder, aggravated robbery, and extortion. I bond out again, and the plan was to go on the run. And so me and my friend were going to go to California, and we were going to you know, go down into Mexico. That was the plan. Why not Canada? For whatever reason, Mexico is more attractive to, to <laughs> yeah. criminals. Well, I don't know what the deal is there. Well, that was where your motorcycles were. <laughs> That's right. That is correct. I had, to, I had wheels, and I had to go get them. So... Um, but that ended up not working out. And while I was still hanging around Colorado Springs, I missed my court date. And so now all the fugitive task force, crime reduction unit, bounty hunters were all after me and thus Mm -hmm. the the dog, the bounty hunter scenario. Right. Um, and so they surround a couple places that I was at and I got away, I'd get away. And so, or, you know, I ended up hiding and they would get into the house and they wouldn't find me. I mean, just crazy. That happened on two separate occasions. And so. I ended up becoming one of the most wanted criminals in Colorado Springs, if not the most wanted criminal in Colorado Springs. Um, and they finally get me at this apartment complex. I'm in a third story apartment. I call it my safe house, but that's where I was before we were going to go to California down in Mexico. I'm on the third story. And um, this is June 19th, 2007. I wake up at like three in the afternoon. I'm not a healthy, responsible individual. I woke up at three in the afternoon um, and I smoked some weed and I was watching the Chappelle show cooking bratwurst. I know it's weird that the details, but that's what it, that's what I was doing. Yeah, those details and stick with you. They do. Yeah. When in yeah, any trauma situation, it just pops in yes. your memory every time. And I love the picture right. painting. I love that. <laughs> yes. so. Yep. Bratwurst, Chappelle, Chappelle Weed, Brian, three in the <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> that's right. There it is. 
And so I go and look out the window and I see the front end of a cop car. And so I'm like, okay, the gig is up, you know, they're here. And I started hearing boom, 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 Colorado Springs police open up and they kick in the door, but it wasn't my door. So they were like four or five apartments down the hallway, kicking in doors because they didn't know which one I was in. And so I had a recliner in there and the recliner was wider than the window. And the guy that I was supposed to go to California and Mexico with a guy named Spider, he showed me how to tie a nylon rope to the bottom of this recliner. And every 18 inches, there was a double knot so I could climb down. And so if this situation happens, see, I was prepared. I was like a, a six-time felon Boy Scout. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a Swiss Army knife. I had a meth pipe. That was about it. Yeah. But, so I, um, I kicked the screen out of the window. I wrapped the rope around my hand and jumped from the third story. And then I'm hanging uh, from the third story. And what I didn't know is there was a surveillance van in that parking lot behind the apartment building. And 50 or 60 cops come swarming from around each side of the building with guns drawn. And that was it. And they said, get on the ground, get on the ground, except they were saying some choice words that I wouldn't say on this here Christian media podcast. Thank you. To me uh, about getting, <laughs> yes, about getting, getting on the ground. And so I ended up, you know, grabbing the rope, unwrapping my hand and dropping three stories yeah. and hit the ground. And uh, they put their knee in my back and put the cuffs on me. And that was it. That was June 19th, 2007. Well, wow. let's let's and get so, ahead a little bit. You are convicted. You now go to prison. You're facing 16 years, but you did not serve even close to that. And there's some miracles nope. that happen, including going back to your eighth grade girlfriend. So let's pick it up from there. Yeah. Um, so I end up going to Walsenburg, Colorado is the first prison I go to. And the first person I meet there, a guy comes up to me. He's big, big guy, even bigger than me. And he's got a Semper Fi tattoo on his arm. And he says, hi, my name's Charles Frederick, and I'm a Christian. This is a faith mm. pod. I said, what is a faith pod? And he says, well, we do discipleship and worship in the morning and stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know what these words mean. And I said, look, man, you know, we can be friends. You obviously look like you know your way around the joint, but, you know, I don't, you can leave the Jesus stuff at the door. And so he just shakes his head and he says, okay. And he just becomes my friend. And over, you know, the course of the next year, he begins just playing gospel seeds in the conversations as opportunity allowed. Uh, he didn't browbeat me uh, and he provided for me. He, you know, you get in there and you basically, you've got your, you know, a couple pairs of underwear, your green suit, a cup and a spoon. That's it. And so he gave me soups. He gave me, you know, sweats. He gave me coffee, things like that. And then just became my friend. And, and again, you know, dropped gospel seeds as, as time would allow. He ended up getting shipped to another prison. I bounced around and ended up getting um, to going to a couple other prisons. And then we both ended up at Sterling Correctional Facility together. And I walk out on the yard and boom, there's Charles picked up right where we left off with him planting gospel seeds. Mm. He gets me into some faith-based programs, uh, one of which was um, that is ultimately where I got saved was the Truth Project. Um, with Dr. Del Tackett, which is yep. just absolutely incredible. If you That's haven't awesome. uh, been, we're, we are nine Dr. weeks. We are nine episodes through in, in my uh, church here in Iowa with a small group, just kind of going through it. And um, wow. yeah, there's That's somebody cool. in the Truth Project <laughs> that you actually partied with that, <laughs> that yeah. you know pretty yeah, well. Yeah, no, I used to do drugs with Flash, and so it's a whole deal. If you've yeah uh, seen the Truth Project and you've been through it, Flash is a guy that they interview. And what's interesting is they interview people all over the world in the Truth Project. And then all of a sudden, boom, they come to this guy that used to buy drugs from me. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. So that actually kind of played a part in it. So I'm in the Truth Project. I see Flash in there. And one of the guys, like, he tells his story at the end. I'm like, well, I'm going to stick around for that. Well, I'm in there and I'm arguing with these guys, though, because, you know, there, there's some mega truth claims that are coming from Dr. Del Tackett and these guys at my table. And I'm like, look, man, 
you know, you guys are stupid if you believe this, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, I mean, I, I said that, and I almost got in a fight with these guys, and just because they were Christians didn't mean they weren't convicts, you know what I mean? And I'm going to tell right. them they're stupid if they believe this. And the deal was, I believed in God, but I didn't I didn't know how to, I, I didn't understand Jesus. I could believe that this Jewish guy got nailed to a piece of wood 2,000 years ago, right? I could believe mm-hmm. that and created a cult following, but I couldn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect life and didn't do anything wrong, that he died in his death, did something for me, and he rose from the dead. Those are my issues with the Christian faith, and turns out they're pretty paramount. <laughs> in it. Well, right? at least you picked the big ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, almost, almost like you were calling that. those uh, other convicts Bible idiots, but um, bump, yeah. right? But um, <laughs> so, um. So I'm going back to my cell after that, that night, or, you know, and we're in the education building, we're walking over back to the units where we live. And Charles just says, look, Brian, why don't you give him a chance? And for whatever reason, again, I understand God's sovereignty. So I know the reason. Um, that was it. I've been told that a million times. Why don't you give him a chance? Why don't you give him a chance? And I went back to my cell and prayed that night. Again, I believed mm-hmm. in God. I prayed. I, I was agnostic. I just didn't understand the Jesus piece. Yeah. So I prayed to God and said, look, God, if I need to believe that Jesus was your son, that he was born of a virgin, that, you know, that I went through that, all those things. I said, you're going to have to show me because I'm having serious issues with it. And so I ended up going to sleep that night and having this horrible nightmare. I've fallen off a cliff in my sleep and I wake up with a, in cold sweats like I'm falling. And I look at my clock and in my cell, the clock says 316. It was the only thing I could see in my cell was the clock. And the yeah, only Bible verse awesome. I've ever known my entire life is John 316, which was the wow. answer to my question. And wow. so I ended up, go- that was Sunday morning at 3.16 in the morning. I ended up getting up, going to Christian services is what they call church there. You got to be politically correct. Um, so we went to Christian services. Chaplain Davis preached. I don't remember a word that, you know, that he preached, but at the end he did an invitation. And the guy I was with, I looked over, I said, Ramon, uh, what is an invitation? And, you know, he didn't say, well, that's where you invite Jesus in your heart, brother. He said, Look, man, if you've got something hindering your relationship with God, you can go down there and pray with that man about it. And he just mm-hmm. stepped out of the way because he knew God was moving. And so I go down to the front. Um, the front, I, I, Chaplain Davis grabs my hand, puts his other hand on my shoulder and says, look, you know, Mr. Dawson, how can I pray for you? I said, look, Chap, I'm not here to make any decisions. I would just ask you to pray that God would soften my heart so the truth can come in because I can tell he's working on me and I'm fighting with everything I have. <laughs> and so he prays for me and we finish praying and I look up in his face. and He's just got tears pouring down his face. And, you know, here he is, this, you know, he's very much a man's man, prison chaplain, you know, kind of guy. And he's in front of 130 inmates just weeping. And I knew that God had moved and done something. I count that the moment, the day that I got saved. Mm. And so um, I leave there. Charles gives me uh, a Bible and he says, start reading the story of Joseph and don't put it down. And so I just start start devouring the word and just feasting on the word day in and day out, reading, reading, reading. So I'm, you know, making my way all the way through the Bible. And that goes on for about nine months, and in that nine months, I'm involved in every faith-based, 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 faith-based program mm-hmm. in the prison. Um, and you know, I'm in choir. I mean, I mean everything, and I can't sing worth a lick. I just love the fellowship. Can't get enough, <laughs> yeah. right? Just, yeah, just getting no, after it. Yeah, and uh, so um, then about nine months in, you know, I, all my friends have pen pals, and I'm like, man, God, I wish I had a pen pal, and so. I call my mom. She's running a Facebook page for me. And we're, you know, she reaches out to a bunch of different girls from my past. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I can't take any more rejection. And uh, I said, look, God, if you want me to have a pen pal, you're going to do it. So I just let it be. And um, I go about my business for two or three weeks. And I call my mom just to check in. And she said, hey, Brian, do you know this girl named Christina Ewan? 
And I said, yes, ma'am, Christina Ewan, that was a girl I was head over heels in love with all throughout middle school and high school that I would have sawed off my left arm to be with. If you put out all my yearbooks from kindergarten to senior year and you said you could pick one girl, you know, to be with, who would it be? It would have went directly to Christina, you know, immediately. Um, Why? And she said, well, she wants to write you. I'm like, you should, she knows I'm in prison. Yeah, no, she knows you're in prison. Well, that's interesting. Did you get her address? Yeah. So I ended up writing the first letter and I basically just wrote and said, look, you know, I didn't get drunk and run somebody's dog over. I, be- I belong here. And um, I, um, she wrote me back and she had just gotten saved about six months before that and had gone through a divorce. She got married, had a son and gotten divorced. And, um, you know, she, you know, so we were very, both very new in our faith and, and both very, you know, that new stage of, you know, new, newly being saved where you just can't, can't stop talking about it, can't stop reading. And, and, and actually, hopefully that never goes away. But we were, you know, very much into that. And we began to just write each other about what God was, you know, doing with us, what the pastors was preaching on. What, and then we started reading books together. She would send a book and we'd read books together and really just fell in love through written letter. And I had to write her a letter and, and say, look, I can't help but feel like there's a spark here that wasn't there when we were in middle school and high school. And I snail mailed it out to her. And I'm waiting for the response, which is, you know, in this text message email world we live in, you know, that snail mail waiting on the girl that's rejected you your whole life to reject you again. Uh, and I, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm acutely aware that my stock cannot get any lower at this point, right? Yeah, I bet, so, I bet after a week it was just torture every hour. Yeah, yeah, it was. And so I get the letter and I open it up and I'm just kind of do the thing where you close your eyes and open with one and look at it. And she says, Brian, I feel the exact same way. I know that God wants me to be with you. Whether you get out in 10 days or 10 years, I'm going to be here waiting. And wow. I was just floored. Wow. And so I ended up putting in for a halfway house. Uh, so the way it works in Colorado, I had a 16-year prison sentence. At eight years, you're eligible for parole. They do your pre-sentence confinement time. So the time I did in county jail comes off of that. Uh, and then you get earned time on top of that. And then 19 months before that, you're eligible for a halfway house. So at five years and two months, I was eligible to go to a halfway house put in for Pier 1, which is the most intense behavior modification program of its kind in the country, went there. That's how I got out early. Like, if I was just going to try and get out, they wouldn't let me out. But they're like, you want to go there? <laughs> go for it. Right? <laughs> so they uh, they sent me there. And, um, you know, there's so much. I could I could do two hours just on Pier 1 alone. But right. I ended up going through the program, graduating with honors, um, getting married in the program. You know, as soon as I was, I was able to go out on a visit, Christina came and saw me. I proposed her on the front front porch steps of a drug rehab because I'm the most romantic man in the world. <laughs> Timing and, is uh, everything, right? It really yeah. is. And, and we got married the next day in my grandma's living room. Wow. And so, yeah. And then and you guys decided was, to not have kids, right? <laughs> yeah. We're, we're really anti-kid. So, um, no, we were blessed. I was blessed when we had, we got married. She already had a son and he is a wonderful young man. Um, Chris has had the privilege of meeting him. He knows yeah, um, and he's, yeah, just, Brent, he's amazing. He's probably going to be an athletic superstar. The kid's amazing. Yeah, and um, not only athletic, but also smart, respectful. I, I yeah. say he brings honor to our home. So when you look nice. at the scriptures and it talks even, about his son. Even when he was like 11, he, how old is he now? He's 13. 13. Even when he was like 9, 10, and even going into 11, he we would be talking and you'd be like, you were just blown away by the level of depth of questions he would ask when you guys would be driving around to baseball games or football games. And, yep. you know, again, and, and you guys kid. decided not to have any other kids other than Brennan, right? <laughs> just just six more so far. Just but, six you know, more so far. That's we're right. 36? Is that what you said? 
<laughs> so, it's like it's a wonderful uh, life. Do you ever feel like uh, that lead character in It's a Wonderful Life when everything's just yeah. going bad? It's like, why do we have all these kids? Every Thanksgiving, <laughs> we have turkey and we hear about Brian. New new child coming, yes, you know, and that's uh, true. That's true. You know, you, you you when we when we first met and started hanging out, um, is Grace your third? Grace is Grace is our first that we had it's together. First, okay, and then and then Reagan. Yep. And then uh, who was the baby when we first met? The third one. I think Abigail. <laughs> Abigail, that's right, that's right. And then Charles was and born. So it's right? interesting. Yeah, and and then Charles is named after Charles, right? The one that led me to the Lord in prison, mm-hmm. finding the gospel seeds in my life. Yep. And then Emily, and then Rebecca. But what's interesting, and Charles is the one that pointed this out when he came out here to visit. He he noticed we were doing it. We didn't even do it intentionally. So you have Brennan, but then the of uh, the girls. It started with Gracie, so Grace, Reagan, Abigail, Charles, Emily. It spells Grace if you go oh, down. Nice. Wow. And so when we were done with Grace, everyone's like, wow, you spell Grace. Are you guys done? I said, no, I think we're going to spell propitiation next. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian Dawson's our special guest. He's the CEO of 1819 News, which is an Alabama-based conservative media platform. Uh, and we have been uh, praying for that and cheering that on, even been a part of it uh, for a while in, in certain uh, ways. And so we, we're always excited about your success. Uh, Brian, you have now seven children, and you're you're not you're. I would love for you to explain your position because hearing it from me saying, "Hey, I got a friend who who feels this way and is living this way," versus you saying it is that you guys really want God to close the womb, not you, and you believe that children are such a blessing from God that you won't stop until God stops you. I guess yeah. isn't? It, I know you can you tell yeah. me the the actual way you phrase that. Yeah, no, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head, and it was even a, a touch more eloquent than even I could put. But um, <laughs> I think it's ultimately, you know, Psalm 127, Psalm 128, you know, children are, are a heritage, you know, they're a gift from the Lord, they're a heritage. Um, you know, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. It says there are the arrows in the, the hands of a mighty warrior. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. And so I, we take that very literally. Um, if you're at war and we are in this culture that we're in, uh, we're in a culture of death that hates children. Um, and, um, I believe that we, we're at war. And so I want more arrows, not less in my quiver. And, you yeah. know, we have friends who can't have children. We have friends mm-hmm. who, who, who their womb is not open. And, uh, you know, if, if God closes the womb or if, if Christina gets into some type of a pregnancy, that's kind of like, eh. but up to this point, it's been smooth sailing. Every baby has right. been happy and healthy. Praise the Lord. Uh, every delivery has been very, very easy. Praise yeah. the Lord. So we, we've had no scares or anything like that. So, you know, we really, um, really just believe that they're a blessing. And, you know, we, we love, we homeschool um, as, as you guys did. And we just think that that's a huge blessing uh, yeah. to be able to watch them and train them and, and, and see them um, just, you know, grow in their love of the Lord. And, and so, yeah, that's, yeah. And it's a great witness to other people around you as well. Um, one of my favorite, it, it's just a moment in time. You know, every once in a while, people will just have this moment in time that they'll just never forget. And nothing in particular really happens. It's just a moment, you know. Um, but one of those moments for me was you had come to the church that Chris was pastoring when we were in Alabama. And you were sharing your testimony and so on. <laughs> and um, 
I look over at Christina, and she's sitting there. And I don't know how many kids you had at the time, or with you at the on that day. He, like they had four. four they, no, they had four. They had four Brennan, and then they had the three girls. Okay, and, so she and, has and Abigail was a baby at the time. Yeah, yeah, she has the baby that she's like literally holding, holding right, right up next to her in front. Then she's got another child like laying over her lap portion. And then she's got another child that's like tucked under her arm, like under her wing, you know. And then she's got an, her legs are crossed and she's got another child, you know, uh, how you like give them that pony ride on, on your foot. It, one of them is sitting on her yep. foot and she just like bounces up and down. She's just she's literally a pile of children with just like this head that's sticking out on top. Yeah. And, and I remember looking at it and just it was a blessing in just seeing that. Yeah. And I yeah. love that verse. That's a verse that I like to share with people who do have, um, you know, another child or even a grandchild, that these children are referred to as in the Bible a quiver mm-hmm. you know, or an arrow in your quiver. I mean, everyone knows if you're a hunter or you're a warrior, the more arrows you got, the better off you are. And our society has really moved away from that. So I'm really thankful that you're not just out there speaking and telling people, but you're actually living the fact. You're investing yeah. in the fact that ch- there there's value in Having all those children. So here's my question for you. Um, you know, it's so it's taking you kind of a while to get I there. I don't care. I had to tell that story. <laughs> all right, that's, yeah, I've that's fine. But I, I keep, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here on pins and needles. What's the question? What's the question? What's the question? <laughs> See, now you interrupted me. All right. Totally forgot here's the question. question. Everybody, <laughs> so, Emily Danielson, uh, go. The question is, when you do encounter people who, you know, they might say something or, you know, they have a view where it's like, you know, don't have any more kids than what you can take care of. Or, you know, there's an option if you don't want to have kids. Um, how do you talk to people in that? Because that's part of our culture right now. We live in a culture where children are a problem. They're kind of in the way they make your life lesser. How do you respond to people or how do you witness to people in that realm when it comes to the value of children in their life? Yeah, that's a a fabulous question. And so when we were at the four, like between three, four, five stage, people thought that they could influence us to not have more. And so there was a lot more of that. And like, once you hit six, people have like, they throw in the town. They're like, we're not going to stop them. Right. But, you know, I think the biggest thing that we can do is to be, um, to be faithful and to show, because again, it's, it's, it's those things that, that, that God says he makes those things plain to see. Like in Romans one, he says, you know, God created things a certain way. And then when you witness something that God created, whether it's, you know, the, the redwoods in California or the mountains and the Rockies or whatever, and mm-hmm. you can just see his revealed creation and know that he exists. I believe the Christian family with a father who loves the Lord and submits himself to Christ as King. Mm-hmm. And he's ruling over his household with steadfast love and faithful as Jesus rules over all. He rules over his household with a beautiful wife who leans into her godly feminine role mm-hmm. and loves what God has made her as a mother who who takes care of the children and manages the household and the affairs of the household like Proverbs 31 wife. And you put this picture on display for everyone. They yeah. can say whatever they want, but they know in their heart that, that that's a glory and that there's you it's you can't argue with that. Right. You yeah. can't deny. Right. You can't deny the evidence that's 
right in front of you. You know, it's kind of like the the Robertsons. They talk about the fact that uh, they believe that their prayer at the end of the show over dinner, over breaking bread together as a family, was some psychologist told Willie who told uh, Al who told me or something like that, that that subconsciously attracted everybody to the show because we all want that kind of family. It's almost like a human picture of the great feast in Jerusalem we're all going to be a part of as brothers and sisters and as actual family under Jesus Christ. And a lot of us don't have families like that. We, you know, we, we yeah. wish we did. And so what you're saying is people look at you guys and they see you guys and they say, uh, they can say whatever they want, but they know in their heart that that's a picture of beauty is what you're saying. Yeah. Absolutely. And and again, even as imperfect as we are and as flawed as we are, they can see the faithfulness and the attempt at obedience and, and what God does with those those imperfect attempts at faithfulness, right? With yeah. the glory right. that he can create through it. Yeah. I think another, another example, I've got a friend, Curtis Bowers, who's made uh, the Agenda movies and stuff. Really great guy. I think he's got like 10 or 11 kids. And he's in prison ministry and they'll, they go in and they sing. They make albums and stuff together and they go. And they'll be in ADSEG where I used to be, and they'll just start singing as a family. And you can start to hear the inmates weeping because they're mm. looking out and they see this family, this Christian family. They're singing, praising Jesus together, and they they just know, right? It's undeniable. Right. Yeah. Yep. And the great thing is, is what a witness as far as the difference one person can make. I mean, looking at your life growing up, there was, you know, dysfunction. Things were broken. Things were not they were outside of what God's plan is for the family but one person in an extremely unlikely situation God can reach down and touch and turn things so completely around and on their head that within that same person the next generation is operating completely different within the uh, boundaries of what God has designed and in the blessings that come from living in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And no, it thought, is. I mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Had Charles not, you know, been there to minister to me, had, you know, all the different parts and pieces, but Charles obviously played a, a huge primary role in me coming to Christ. Mm-hmm. I actually had someone, one of the times I was telling my story and he stopped me, he goes, who did you have praying for you? Uh-huh. knowing that, you know, these people who weren't necessarily in the picture that mm-hmm. are over on the side praying. And the one person I had in my family that was like fervently praying and they say, you know, the prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, my grandma, Mamu, Betty Dawson, uh, was the one who was praying for me fervently for, you know, a decade. And interestingly enough, Chris is the one who delivered this message to me because he was going to see Phil Robertson and, and, and go eat at their house. Mm-hmm. I said, tell him, you know, Betty Dawson's grandson. Yeah, And, you know, Phil was like Betty Dawson. And he said, that's the most godly woman I've ever known. Mm-hmm. And so the yeah, most I'm the one he told that Phil to. Robertson, <laughs> yeah. I can testify. So that's most, what Phil said. Yeah, The most godly woman Phil Robertson's ever known is who was praying for me for 10 years. That's, and that's awesome. my grandma. And that yeah. is encouragement for everybody listening, because I can't tell you how many people I know that have family members that don't believe who have maybe believed at one time and walked away and how discouraging that is and how hard that is for people who do know the Lord and they want their loved ones to know the love of God. And so just hearing your story that grandma praying and all these people praying that you you don't even know 
prayers are effective. Don't give up. Keep praying because God loves us and he has the perfect ability to do whatever it takes. So thank you so much for that encouragement. Brian, are there any final thoughts you want to leave with us? And you could start with, you know, thanks for coming on the show and making my wife cry. (laughs) Appreciate that. (laughs) Here, I make... I make people cry. Yeah, yeah you, you're making it's people cry all the time, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I want to. You, you, it's time for final thoughts. But in the final thoughts, I'd really love for you to share a little bit about the media journey. I know we only have about five more minutes left, Max, because I know your schedule's tight. But w- the media journey. I mean, there, there's there. Your your story through media is amazing, and I've gotten to be a big part of it. Um, you know, the last seven years and. Uh, you know, here you are, you find yourself as the CEO of an upstart media company in Alabama, and that's not your only option. I mean, there's a lot of people that want Brian Dawson to be on their team, but yet this is what God has you doing. Tell us that in your final thoughts with us today, bud. Sure. Super short version. I got to Alabama and I didn't know the difference between a radio station and a radio network. I had no idea. Uh, and the guy that hired me at USA Radio Networks hired you at USA Radio Networks, right? Uh, yep. Doc. Mm-hmm. And so he, I, I was going to church with him. And he said, "Hey, man, I think you'd do great. I don't really have the resources to train you. I'm going to give you a quick one-on-one in my living room about radio syndication. But here's the software that says, you know, the, who the decision makers are. Here's the the products that you offer those decision makers. You'll figure it out. Boom. And and, and I did it. I <laughs> my first take or swim. I swam. Yeah. And I helped I helped them take their you know news there's new their radio news product that was offered to am news talk stations it was five minutes sounded like it was done on a casio keyboard in the 80s because it was <laughs> shorten it up uh to a two minute to offer to fm music stations and as you guys know fm music stations have these things called human beings listening um and so it turns out that's valuable when you're selling advertising so it was yes. a huge thing um growing their news product uh to a completely different audience and, and marketed it and they never would have thought to do that so that was a big home run early in my career that, that garnered the attention of a gentleman by the name of Lee Habib, who was uh, the guy who created Laura Ingram's radio show. And he had moved on um, from Laura's show. He went on to become the vice president of Salem, uh, where he oversaw Dennis Prager, Bill Bennett, Hugh Hewitt, Michael Medved, Eric Metaxas, Larry Elder, all those guys. And he's still there to this day. Uh, but he started another project called American Private Radio and produced a show called Our American Stories. And uh, he, he said, I want you to do for Our American Stories what you did to the radio show. So I came in and I said, okay, I'm going to do that. But, you know, Lee, I don't want to grow radio shows for the rest of my life. I want to, I want to get in the business. And so I said, you're going to teach me everything you know about the industry if I grow your show. And so he just laughed and shook my hand and said, okay, you grow my show. I teach you everything I know. And so over the next four and a half years, I sat at his feet learning everything I could about the media business. I grew his show. It was on 80 stations when I got there. I took it to 330 stations and did a deal with Premier and iHeart, which is as big as it gets. In the radio world uh, is that, and and when that was done, um, I actually left there and went and, and worked for a group in the interim, uh, helping Trump get reelected. That was the goal, and um, did this massive media-driven get-out-the-vote effort with Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Sean Hannity, all these other guys, raised $6 million, did this massive get-out-the-vote Isn't there another effort. name you want to mention in there? Because, I mean, I, I, I remember Marcus. somebody besides him. <laughs> oh, there was, uh, was it the Chris fellow? Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember riding around Birmingham with you, meeting with millionaires, yeah. talking to people. Yeah. Oh, what about 
Yeah. Thanks for the Chris. Hey. Chris was the USA. Chris yeah. was there with Lee, and then Chris was there. With the, yeah. The, yeah. No. No. The no. 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 When when you mentioned Bernie Marcus Ben Shapiro, I mean the Chris Danielson should be the logical next name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Actually, I think right in between the two. Oh yeah, Bernie, that, that might work too. No. No. I, yeah. I'm joking, but I was there. Yeah. It was it was amazing yeah. to watch watch this transition because part of that led to the meetings with the principals that wanted to launch 1819. Correct. Well, yeah, and that's it. And so I, I help with this this get out the vote strategy, blood, sweat, and tears from July to November. Leave it all on the field, eighty hours a week, hardest I've ever worked in my life. And then I watch the election get stolen. Yeah. I know, put my yeah. tinfoil hat on, but you know, watch the election <laughs> mm-hmm. get stolen. And I just became disenfranchised with national politics and national fundraising. And yeah. my pastor started preaching on the importance of localism. Fathers fix your families. Families be in church. Churches make up community. Community city, city county, county state. This is the winning strategy. So I went home and prayed with my wife and said, how can I use my gifts, talents, abilities, resources, and relationships to make a difference for my people in place in Alabama? A week later, Caleb Crosby of the Alabama Policy Institute calls me. I hadn't talked to him in like a year and says, hey, you know, he, he had some questions about some media efforts. And then on the call said, you know, uh, what we need more than this, this radio show that we're working on is a statewide state focused news and multimedia company for the state of Alabama. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll do it. And so that was it. And that was the impetus. And I wrote out mission, vision, plan, budget, and we got to work and we created 1819 News to be a statewide, state-focused news and multimedia empire for the state of Alabama. Um, and that How's is, that uh, going, by the way? Version it's, going, it's going well. Good, going good. Well. And the thing I love about 1819 News is it is, like you said, you know, you talk, they cover all those stories that are relevant. And what's relevant for Alabama is is really relevant for the rest of the nation as well. But um, it, it also doesn't shy away from that spiritual aspect. And they will cover stories that involve Christianity and what God is doing. And they are not afraid to, when they're interviewing someone to, yeah, whatever that quote is about Jesus, we're going to put that full quote in there. And I love that you don't shy away from that. That's part of life. And because it's part of life, it's part of your news. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, and I mean, we're, we're super proud, and, and God's hand has been on this thing from the get-go, and if it wasn't, we would have crashed and burned by now, so yeah. praying for that <laughs> to keep going. Somehow he does. He just he just sustains us all in his own way, and, and he makes it all happen. Brian, thank you so much for spending time with us. Is there anything else you'd want to share with, with our listeners before you go? Christ is King, Jesus is Lord. That's it. That's the awesome. that's Love a political it. statement also. So <laughs> do with that what you will. Do with that with what you will. Yeah. No no I no no it. doubt about it. I love it. Brian Dawson, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to have you back uh hopefully as a regular guest quarterly at a minimum I, as long as we can fit into that busy schedule of yours, but uh we'll keep praying <laughs> for you. You keep digging, bro. Appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks guys. All right. We will be back with more of No Apology with Chris and Emily. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in a minute. Has anybody ever called you an idiot for believing in the Bible? Somebody says, you're just an idiot for believing the Bible. How would you respond? People think that Christians are idiots for what they believe. This God you claim is great isn't so great. Only an idiot would believe that. 
when you wonder about the relevance of the Bible, because it was written in different culture. Yeah, even though the Bible was written through like a, a spiritual notation, I guess, it still was written by a man. It's the second day I'm asked to pray, and I'm walking up towards the podium, and I lean in and I say, Dear George. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that my life has been changed by the Word of God. So what's your opinion on the Bible? It's 100% true. Sounds like uh, size involved in this process, you know. <laughs> idiots for Bible, that's, I mean, that's what I think of when I think of him. I'm not gonna call atheist idiots because that's just not nice to do, but. Approximately 1,500 times the Bible claims to be the Word of God. Now, what are we gonna do with that? That's kind of deep. <laughs> I believe in the Bible. I don't care who knows it. I'm an idiot for Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to No Apology with Emily. And the oh, yeah, is Chris. That's right. That wasn't indigestion, was it? What do you mean? That wasn't indigestion. No, was no, it? I was saying, oh, oh yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, love, uh, love the music. <laughs> welcome back to the show. We are once again going to play one of my favorite things, one of my favorite parts of the show, right on, way off. I still think we should call it Royo. What do you think about that? Royo? Yeah, Royo, right mm. on, way off. I don't think so. Rowo, row, rowo. Ro, ro. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't work. Bad idea. Ro, ro. What Scrap do you think, it. Mike Shaw, news director for Fresh Road Media, is in the house. Mike, what do you think? Should we go with Royo? I'll take acronyms for five hundred. Rowo, 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 Time for rowo. The bit is called Right On, Way Off, and Emily is in control. Emily, I how am. do you want to see this game well, go today? I'm going to do it a little different uh, again till we kind of get our groove. You know, yeah. we yeah. can test things. And I think this time, uh, Chris, at first you asked the questions, then I started asking questions. And so I think this time all each one of us gets to ask a question, okay? Like it. okay. It's not like we work for Fox News. We can do what we want. <laughs> we <can. laughs> well, if we, we worked can. for Fox News, we wouldn't work there long. Yeah, That's right. probably the, the fact. If we worked right. for Fox News, we'd probably be a liberal. Yeah, yeah. Um, CNN let's see doesn't return my calls anymore. I don't know what's going <laughs> yeah, what's on. what's up so, with that? All right, right on, way off, Emily. Yeah. What, what the, the way this goes is yes, that somebody asks a question. And it's right on way off, and then you have to take a side. Yes. And so whoever asks the question can answers last, and then whoever's asking the question asks, tells who's going to be first. Okay, I think you're kind of confusing us. No. Who's no. on second? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> who's on first? How do you want this to go, right. queen of so, the show, Emily? Uh, what Each one of us will have an opportunity to ask a question, mm -hmm. and then each person, each of the other three, will mm -hmm. be able to give their opinion as to whether they think that question or that statement is either right on 
or way off. I'm right on with that. So, yes, there you go. See, that's how it works, Chris. I'm good. All right. Let's let's So how do you want to start? Ladies first. All right, go for it. Why is there even a question? (laughs) There's not. I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to kick it off. we wanted to hear it from you first. Uh, This is a quote. I'm not going to tell you who it's by. I just, and it's a partial quote, um, but I'm just going to read it to you. You tell me the person saying this, are they right on or way off? And the quote is, to avoid controversy is to avoid Christ. Right on or way off? Who gets to go first? I'm going to say, well, since Mike is our guest, we should let our guest go first. You know, otherwise it's like bellying up to the buffet first. So. Okay. All right. So <laughs> you're saying Mike goes first? Mike goes first. To avoid controversy is to avoid Christ. Do you think that's right on or way off? Uh, I was thinking right off. <laughs> um, no, that's unfly. But it doesn't fly. You know, I can't right. be I can't be Switzerland on this no. one. And so then I you know and you can do way off with a caveat or right on yeah. with a caveat, but well, you I'm, gotta take a side. I'm I'm gonna go right on and okay. uh, you know. Woo! Yeah. Good job. There you go. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I thought that was bubble wrap. <laughs> no. No. When and, you're the studio producer, you yeah, get to during, keep the bubble during wrap. break, Mike yeah. said, you know, he's popping bubble wrap and he says, you know. Right on, way off. Uh, the person with bubble wrap is the only one who really enjoys it. And I'm like, that's right on, buddy. That's, right that, that's not your question, is it? Did no. Chris just steal your question? No, no, he's not going to use that no. question. All right, so, so go ahead. It's, keep it's going. right on because wherever Jesus went when he was walking among us here on the earth, Emmanuel, God with us, uh, where there was a revival broke out mm-hmm. and a riot broke out yeah. every time. When Paul went around preaching... I mean, he got stoned, left for dead. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. No. shipwrecked, I yeah. mean, bit we, by a snake. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And, well, it's um, just crazy what Paul went through. You know, it's, if you're going to stand on the Word of God, if you're going to stand with Christ, the uh, the enemy doesn't like that, and he's going to come against you, and you have to stand strong. And so, yeah, you have to—that's right on. All right, very All right. good. All Chris, right. to avoid controversy is to avoid Christ right on or way off. I'm right on. Well, good. Yeah, I'm right on, for sure. You guys are united in one accord. I like that. Absolutely. Why? I'm right on. (laughs) Correct. You are correct, sir. That was really slow on the uptake, I know. I had to look. Where is it? (laughs) Keep practicing. I will. Stick with it. I'll keep keep trying. I am right on, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because Jesus says himself, he came to divide. Mm, And the only people that are with Jesus are the ones that are with him. Mm. If you're not with him... You're against him. Yeah. That, the whole lukewarm, well, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to do anything that might cost somebody. I'm going to be Switzerland. I'm going to stay right in the lane. Sometimes that's appropriate. But if you're talking about the authentic Christ who saves, yeah. he himself said, I come to divide. Yeah. We were talking with Pastor Jay Johnson a few weeks ago about that same thing. And mm-hmm. he's like, look, if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to do what he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like those two things are just not separable. So, yeah, I'm right with you guys. It's right on and the way I I knew right away cuz it's actually RC Sproul oh, that said oh, that. Okay. But do you want to hear the whole quote? Cuz yes. it's a good one. I'd love to hear the whole quote. A little bit lengthy. Hopefully I can get through it without, you know, cuz his words are so high and wise. Hopefully I can get through it without making a buffoon of myself. But this is what he says. Too (laughs) late. Thank you very much. All right, go for it. Uh, He says, Jesus is life. And Mike, you were right on with this. Jesus's life was a storm of controversy. The apostle, like the prophets before them, could hardly go a day without controversy. 
Paul said that he debated daily in the marketplace. To avoid controversy, controversy is to avoid Christ. We can have peace, but it is a servile and carnal peace where truth is slain in the streets. That's fantastic. Oh, I love That's it. Really Thank good. you, R.C. Sproul. And we should have called R.C. and had his right on. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's with Jesus now. Well, you know he left that, right? us his words. Yeah. Yes. So when you're going through it and, and it's getting tiring, just remember that to avoid controversy, mm-hmm. controversy is to avoid Christ. Yeah. It's okay. You're on the right track. Keep moving forward. All right. Who's, All right. Up? Who's up next? Uh, how about I trust Michael? All right. Mike, you got the next right on way off course. Question. Let's what do you do it? Who's going to answer first? Yeah. Well, Emily is okay. ladies first. All right. I'll just okay. sit back here. And... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go for and it. You'll, might, you'll go second. That might backfire on me because uh, sometimes I need to hear what somebody else is going to say <laughs> first. All right, Mike. What is it? This would be good. So I was watching uh, YouTube Shorts, which I don't do much, but uh, Matt Walsh came up and he did a short on he's not tipping anymore. Tipping like waiters and waitresses? Yeah, yeah, he's not tipping anymore. He says, way too many people these days expect tips Mm. uh, outside of your traditional restaurant stuff. And and that is true. Uh, And then he was also saying, you know, plus the cost of everything has gone way up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in Europe, tipping is not a thing. No, mm-hmm. it's it's in fact it's almost insulting. It we, is insulting. We were in Paris and then we tried to I, I forgot where I was and I was uh-huh. gonna tip and this believe it or not, friendly French man. I know <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. If you've never been to Paris, trust me, you, you need to go at least once. I think it was our third time there and I just forgot and I was going to tip and Habit. He's, he's like you know, Masur, do not insult us. You yeah, know, we you know we yeah. we charge you. you Masur, yeah. Did he? Masur, Masur, Masur. That's me. Mas, uh, maybe it's just Paris smells like a sewer. I don't know. <laughs> it, there's a big part of Paris that does. I'm just well, saying. Yeah. I mean, the Eiffel Tower, the Romance. Yeah, there's another part that we've been to that. Yeah, a lot of tourists don't really go there. Anyway, Mike, uh, no tipping. Should we tip? Right on. Okay, right. is he Do talking? We, tipping should go away in America, right on or way All off. Altogether, yeah. all together. Like tipping so, he doesn't go away. He doesn't tip. He's not going to restaurants anymore. He's not going to tip anymore. He said. That's what he said. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Right on. Um, go, go ahead, Who's Emily. Going first? You, Me? Well, you. Um, yeah. He said you. I got to wow. sit in the background. First. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say way off. And I hate to do that because I really like the guy, but um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say way off for a couple of reasons. Number one, I like to tip people because they, it, when you're in that service industry, you're not getting rich to begin with. Uh, number two, they work very, very hard, and it's they're oftentimes the types of jobs that people aren't even going to be able to do like their whole life, you know, at some point it's like, I can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So I like to, I like to tip people, especially if they have a really good attitude. It's not necessarily based on whether everything's perfect or not. I don't get huffy about it. Uh, But I do like to tip because I like to show my appreciation where appreciation really is due. Number two, we've traveled extensively and we've been in places where tipping is not a part of the service. And what happens is you end up with very few people doing all the work. Like it was common when we were in Spain, Chris, you and I would walk into a restaurant. It'd be, you know, seven o'clock or whatever. The dinner is just starting to, to come. Customers are coming and you have like two people. 
Mm-hmm. That I work in the bar, work in the kitchen, wait in the tables, you know, mm-hmm. and you had to wait a long time yeah, 30, before you 30 actually 40, got served. 30 minutes wow. to actually get your order in was common in some right, of those places. Right. And the locals were like, no, this is fine. This is fine. They were fine wow. with it, but it was something right. that they had that we had to because we were there for an extended period of time. Like we had to really like readjust our mind and just accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think Americans, by and large, are ready to accept that, that, okay, you're going to walk into a restaurant and you're going to wait 30 minutes before you even get water. Mm-hmm. And then you'll put your order in, but it's going to be another 30, 45 minutes before you get your food. Mm-hmm. I don't, Americans, I don't think are prepared for that. So I don't, it's not really the waiters and waitresses' fault that things are so expensive. Now, mm-hmm. am I going to tip Biden? Absolutely not. <laughs> I've got some tips for yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I'm going to say way off. All right. Repeat the question again exactly. Yeah, so uh, the way the way it landed was uh, that tipping should, be go, should go away in America right on a way off. I'm way off. I'm way off. In America, it's all we got left. It's America. <laughs> it's America. In America, it's all we got left. Look, I come out of the service industry. I know what it's like at the end of the night as a barback or a busboy, even at that level, yeah. you know, looking for the tip outs, you know. And, and so the waitresses um, and waiters are tipping out other people yep. and bartenders are tipping out other people. They should. And many times they share in the whole journey. Right. And then at the end of the night, this is how they make their livelihood. Right. And so... For me, I have been a 20% across the board guy, sometimes 25, sometimes 30%, because here's the deal. I call it a value proposition, all right? At the end of a meal, and let's just say it's going to be a $150 tab, okay? Because that's where we are. The $100 tabs are now $150. I don't know how 9% inflation gets us to more than (laughs) half of the bill. You need to learn your government math, young man. (laughs) It's crazy. Right? Um, It's progressive math, dear. But we could go to the same place in the same city and order the same meal that we ordered just three years ago. Mm -hmm. And let's just say it came to 100 bucks. I know now it'd be 150 to 175, Mm -hmm. okay? So here's the thing. We're sitting there. Emily orders an entree. I order an entree. Um, You know, they bring it. Everything is good. Uh, We, you know, we, we decide to have an extra beverage. Or Emily likes to do this. She likes to have coffee with dessert. And yeah. then I, she'll say she doesn't want dessert. I'll order my dessert, and then she'll and they'll bring two spoons because they know <laughs> that she didn't order dessert and that she's going to eat half mine. So they just bring an extra spoon. Yeah. And so yeah. then we have to order an extra dessert. Now that extra dessert is eight or nine bucks. The yep. coffee is four dollars a cup. Yep. So we just drop twenty dollars extra on the, on the bill. Mm-hmm. And so to drop a twenty on the waitress, that's outrageous. I'm, I'll give them ten dollars, or I'll give them you know five dollars, or you know I'll do twelve point three percent because the service wasn't up to no. That's not how we roll with other people. A lot of if you're a Christian, okay, and you are out <laughs> dining, this is an opportunity for you to bless somebody. Yeah. And do not put a that's gospel good. track down on the on the receipt thinking that that's a tip. It's not. They want cash. They're <laughs> earning a living. They're working really hard, yeah. If you are in line to do a $20 tip or a uh, a 20% tip that comes to like 10 bucks, make it a $20 I want to rephrase that because I want to, I want you I want to make my point and I'm using the same number. You've got a bill in your hand and 20% would be about a $10 tip. And you want to leave a gospel track, you make that $10 tip a 20 or 25 or $30 tip and that gospel track's value goes through the roof. You make it a $5 tip and put a gospel track, you're cheap and your your message is cheapened. Tipping, yes, take care of those frontline workers. Now, if their service is bad and the people are horrible, you know, you, you, you can find other ways 
to try to bless on your way out the door without stiffing on the tip. Yeah. What bugs me about tipping, because you just heard my whole right on, because yeah. I'm about to go way off in a big way here. <laughs> okay. But I am right on. Where uh-huh. I'm way off is I call a place. And I go in to pick up my order, which I'm then going to carry either to the office or to the house. And usually I don't order beverages because I've got it there. And I don't bring cash. Always bring cash when you go to pick up a takeout order. Why? Because your credit card will generate a tip option. And I can't stand writing zero and putting a slash through it on the tip. Uh, But I also can't stand giving 20% to somebody to hand me a box over a counter. Right. Or a bag over a counter. That just bugs me to no end. Uh-huh. So I usually just throw like $2 or $3 down, and that's even beginning to get annoying for me. So, yes. you know. Yeah. Tipping tips by Uncle Chris. The minute, <laughs> we, the minute we go to a cashless society, I know that's possibly the mark of the beast, but it's also the end of my days of doing carryout. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing for the people that are, that are eating yeah. or, you know, participating in the service ordering the services that they have input as to what that person gets paid uh, and how well they do. And here's the reality. There are waiters and waitresses in like some of these high end restaurants. They make a lot of money and I'm happy for them. I think they really should. I'm that's great because if it's a job you love to do and clearly, I mean, we have just met so many that Mm -hmm. they love their job. They love the people they love. Serving the great food, and even they're if proud they, of even the if they, they didn't serve. love us, they acted in a way that made us feel. That's like right, yes. right. And <laughs> good and actors. so, if if this is one of your gifts, if service is your gifts, getting mm-hmm. back to biblical speaking, if service hospitality is one of your giftings, why not get paid really, really well yeah. like yeah. that? I I I'm I, I'm not with. Matt I, Walsh I tell you on what, that. the takeaway for this, my Christian brother and sister that are watching or listening. Um, when in doubt, tip well. When in doubt, pinky out, <laughs> pinky and, out. Tip, tip and, and, well. and tip well. Yeah. You good. know, if, if if it's a question in your heart, err on yeah. the side of trying to bless somebody financially. Yeah, and That's Chris, just I've idea. actually even seen you where we've had a waitress who's just, or waiter, who's just like, their head's not in it, they're making mistakes, they really don't care. And you've had a tendency, Chris, to pick up on the fact that, you know what, I bet that person's having a bad day, mm-hmm. and I bet their bad service has nothing to do with what's going on in this restaurant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to turn that around for that person. We've done it. And we've seen it. We start talking mm-hmm. to them, and then we start giving them a big tip. Our our kids have been recipients, you know, working at Chick-fil-A or whatever, and some wealthy person will go through the drive-thru, order a shake, and leave a $100 tip Whoa. with some worker, someone of those teenage workers. Nice. And, I mean, it's just a celebration. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let people do that. I, I, I love yeah. that. I don't want that to go away. Part of my journey as a 13, 14-year-old was I caddied at a country club. And it was a lot of rich doctors, a lot of rich lawyers, that type of thing. Um, you know, celebrities would come through and you'd get to caddy. Everybody was judged by 13 through 15 year olds <laughs> by how they tipped. Yep. Uh-huh. Because this was the 70s, okay? Yep. And $4.50 is what it cost you to have a caddy for a round. Yep. $4.50. And by the way, wow. that was that was big money back then. Um and so they would many times tip 50 cents or a buck. And sometimes they would just sign the card and put, you know, $10. So when you got that $5.50 tip, right. 
Um, that was that was a big deal. Yeah, that's that, pretty good. I mean, kind of like you're going through the parking lot and somebody might scratch that dude's car. You're going to put a stop to it because he tipped you well. You follow? Right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. You, you know what I mean? You're gonna that you, that you take care of his is clubs. That buying you take love. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's I, buying I, service. That's that's respect is yeah, what you feel. It yeah, is. You, you know, you, and you go, you're buying service. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, yeah. if you're a cr- if you're just a, a rotten caddy who's just dragging your butt around the course and 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 they. They still have to pay you four dollars and fifty cents. This is nineteen seventy six, seventy five. I can't right. believe you said that. What? Yeah, try it. I Dragging back. your butt across the course. The, yeah. Back in nineteen seventy six, like a dog on Listen. Satan's carpet. When I was caddy, and we went through things you will That's never right. understand. You kids don't get it today. <laughs> Anywho, uh-huh. uh, back to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I got to golf free on Monday. It's one of the ah, nicest courses in Minnesota, That's and a I great became tip. pretty good. And I won a caddy tournament, and and I, I, golf could have been my career. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, you're no Arnold Palmer. No, it's a rich kid sport, and all <laughs> yeah. rich kid sports I'm attracted to, and realize, oh, I can't compete. Well, I'll if you're hitting the, if there. you're hitting the driveway, I hear you. I hear that you are a long hitter on, off the drive. That's I right. oh. I used to yeah, my, my back uh, my back in the the front cooker now is getting in the way, but uh, yeah, yeah, back I, in the day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah used, used to be able to hit it a country mile. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, what's who's what's next? Uh, do I get to answer my own question? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are so you guys, good today. You guys did such a great job. Mike's here. He <laughs> might have something to say. <laughs> Hi everybody. I hate that when you forget yeah. you're doing a show. You know, and all of a sudden, you know when yeah. we uh, when we were in Arizona and I used to hang out and you know and this is how it was in the living room. Yeah, yeah. Pretty it's much. like, hey, you guys, I'm over here. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, no, I just kidding. But when you get three Danielsons in the room and they get going. Yeah, exactly. You can just feel the buzz. Just watch yeah. the circus. Feel, yeah. feel the hum. <laughs> what you just witnessed is why I always wanted to be an honorary Danielson, and here we are. Here we yes. are. I'm living yes. the dream. Yes. Um, so I'm... We'll I'm, adopt you, Mike. I mean... Thank you. Well, <laughs> we know Brian Dawson well. So. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Great. I could, be the, I could be the kid that Brian Dawson did, hasn't had yet. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> All right. Answer uh, your own question. Are you tipping again, Mike? Or not? Yeah, I am tipping again. I used to wait tables. Yeah, and, um, see. and this is before BC. Um, I was a waiter. I used to work the Sunday after church shift. Mm. And you know, you hear those stories about where Christians are, you know, have bad attitudes and are bad tippers. Mm-hmm. I re- I experienced that. Now yep. it wasn't all of them, uh, but it was uh, pretty much every week. <laughs> we yeah. had that to look forward to. Did, was it, it a thing amongst the staff? No, yeah. yeah. You know, it, all the Christians are coming, they're going to be cheap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, I hate that. For some of them. We've I mean, seen that, too. It, it's a thing. Yeah. I mean, it, or it used to be a thing. I don't know if it's still a thing. I hope it's not a thing. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm right on with what you both said, too. You know, it's um, yeah. I, I do tip over 20%, mm-hmm. especially for good service. And, yeah. and, you know, I try to cheer people up if, when they're down. Yeah. Um, and... and you know, I've been on the other side of it too, and and Chris is right on with his with his little, little rant. You know, <laughs> if you're a Christian, tip well, tip yeah. well, tip well. It, it it reflects well on you, yes, and it also reflects what I mean. It's just you know another way to express God's love out there in the exactly. culture. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm saying yeah, let's keep tipping. Now it right. uh, it has wandered into some other areas that I'm not thrilled about, but I'm a pushover, so yeah, I, I, I'm a tipper. 
Yeah. It's not going to change. I'm a tipper. Yeah. All right. Be I'm a tipper. I'm a tipper. Be a tipper Everyone's too. A or tipper. Something. Wouldn't you like to be <laughs> a tipper too? Wouldn't you like to be a tipper <laughs> yeah, too? There I you like go. that. We yeah. got our own little jingle going. <laughs> got it. All right, Chris, do you have a question oh, for yeah. us? Oh, yeah. I get the food question, right? Oh, right on. <laughs> he said, yeah. Well, we move from yeah, restaurants we'll f- we'll into see. food. This we'll is a we'll natural progression. We'll see if you're right on or way off. I'm already hungry from the last question. All right. All right. Here we go. Are you ready? Yes. Tater tot casserole. Seals the cracks of the heart, right on or way off. <laughs> Tater tot casserole seals the cracks of the heart, right on or way oh, off. Oh, for crying in the sink. That's not even a question. It is, too. It is, too. Uh, Deal with it. Seal the cracks of the heart. It had a question mark at the end, so that's yeah. a question. Uh, who's Mike, going first? Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I've never had it, so I don't know. <gasps> no. Um, so you'll have to cook it for me, and then I will tell you. I will give you an honest yeah, opinion. you can't be a total Danielson right. without no, eating. No, no, So, so yeah. that's the All last right. and final it's, it's hamburger, step. Cream of mushroom, <laughs> it's hamburger, cream of mushroom okay. soup mixed okay. together. All right. Okay. I'm good. Brown hamburger, cream right. of mushroom soup. And then right. you add one or two, one of the, the following. You Tater add either tots. corn. Okay. Green beans. Okay. Or peas, one of those three. Okay. Or broccoli. No, never broccoli. Mushrooms. You, you broccoli a tater tot casserole, you are a heretic. <laughs> it's kind of like broccoli. Don't you bring broccoli into this sacred dish. Is it like hamburger pie? It is kind of, Kind of yeah. like hamburger pie. And then, and then you, put, yeah, okay. you put this all on a glass dish. All right. Um, and yes, it must be glass to make it authentic. Because it crisps the bottom up a little bit. And then you, you lay tater tots over the top yeah. and then you bake it. And the best is when you broil for two minutes at the end to get the tots really crispy, okay. and then you scoop it out. And right. some people put cheese in it. So uh, yeah, yeah, again, you know, you've got heresy yeah. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I, that is right on, just right. based on that description. <laughs> yeah. And then, but that does not get you out of making it for me. No. Okay. okay. No. No. In right. fact, now that we have an excuse to make it, because you got to make like a whole yeah. pan of it, I, and then we're eating I'm it for like five if, days. I know. I'm yeah. lucky if I I get tater tot casserole once a year for the. Last What's five or six years. What's wrong with having your heart sealed for five days? <laughs> I know, I know. That this sounds wonderful. If you've never seen the movie Ratatouille, this will make no sense to you. I have yeah. not. The yeah. great thing about it too is it, that reference. It, Mike doesn't even know. <laughs> it reheats really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's comfort food. All right, it, it's comfort we're gonna food. we're gonna do we're gonna do a day in the next thirty days okay. where we're gonna have tater tot casserole, and I think we should make it a little video. All right, All right. Yeah, Let's we could do, do that. that. We'll do a little video. I have Let's two phones it. on me right now. Okay, so yeah, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> this is what we have to do. Chris is going to make his tater tot hot dish. Uh, I will make my tater tot hot uh, dish slash casserole, you whatever know who you call the winner it. is in this deal. Yeah, I call and it casserole. And Mike call it... will vote. I'm the winner in this deal. And uh, we yeah. shall see. So he's right on. Are you right on or way off? I'm, ri- I'm right on. It's comfort food. It's nice. It's good. It? And I'm not always in the mood for it. Uh, but when I am, there is nothing that can mm. replace it. So yeah, I'm I'm right on, mm. right on with the tater tot. Did you say casserole or a hot dish? I said casserole. 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 Yeah. I mean, that's how I grew up. I mean, uh, I grew up hot our dish. Our son-in-law, eight grew, miles away yeah, from our, our, what part our, of the country is this from? Minnesota. It's, it's a Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Don't you know? You betcha. You You've betcha. never had the tater tot to casserole. I don't know if you have really lived, my friend. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I grew up on the West Coast, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out there, it's like, dude, you want to surf and do some tots? Totally, man. Totally. I mean, the people in Minnesota, they're so, like, 
Scandinavian. Yeah. Uh, that even like you go to the Taco John's or whatever, and they have what they call the potato olays, which are really just tater tots. Yeah, they're I little mean, tater tots. Like potato even if you're olays. having, even if you're having a Mexican <laughs> meal, uh, you need some potato in there. Well, back in the '70s in Oregon, we had a taco man. So. You know, I think some of those northern states back in the day yeah. did not have good Mexican food. That, that has changed well, yeah. to yeah. a degree. That's true. To Set to Mexican degree. food aside, yeah. and the food in the South is yeah. the best on oh. the planet. Yeah. I mean, on the planet, yeah. I'm talking, we've, we've eaten in some of the finest restaurants all over the globe. Yeah. And the food palette, spice, just mm-hmm. aliveness in the South, it's better than everywhere yeah. else. Now, did you know that Phil and Kay Robertson actually travel with a little case that has Cajun spices in it? <laughs> Makes sense. No, they do. That's cool. Spa- yeah. uh, her own spices, sure. her own palate that she's yep. going to satisfy yep. wherever she goes. And so I want to go to Birmingham, Alabama, or Atlanta. I'll go to either city. Mm-hmm. Uh, know both cities very well. And I want to open what I call Northern Bistro. And our positioning statement will be, come for the blandness. <laughs> but it's yummy. Sometimes uh-huh. that subtle, yeah, creamy, uh-huh. subtle creamy, white, yummy, Scandinavian. I mean, it, It's like just, bland, but it seals the cracks in the heart. So do Swedish meatballs. Yeah, so Think true. about that. So check this I mean, out. I was, I'm here in Iowa now. And, yeah. And I have my license plates now. I'm Ooh, very excited. What a local. I know. I'm official now. Yeah. Um, it's no longer Mike in the... Volkswagen with the Texas plates. I've got the <laughs> Iowa plates. But anyway, um, I was having... Trust me, people are still going to know it's you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Correct. That's true. Volkswagen in Iowa like, tends yeah. to stand any out. Got to be honest, Mike, you're the only Volkswagen <laughs> bug I've seen. Are there any other Beatles in town? No. 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 no, John Paul and Ringo all left town, bro. <laughs> so I'm over at, I'm over at, I'm over at an Iowan's house mm-hmm. okay. and having spaghetti, and their son was putting ranch on the <gasps> noodles. And he's like, welcome to the wed- Midwest, dude. Yeah. We put ranch on everything. I did yeah. not know that. Did that offend you as an Italian? No. Okay, no. good. Yeah, so good. I didn't, it wasn't my sauce. So yeah, if it yeah. had been my sauce, I might have, it might yeah. have been different. Your Nana makes some oh, awesome sauce yeah. that you've yeah. carried on the tradition. I do make the family sauce. It's great. Now, in, at risk of uh, making Emily cry again, mm. um, oh, you no. know, I had my praying mama in yeah. Mississippi. Okay. Mm. And so growing up, she used to make uh, some amazing dishes. And, you know, we had catfish ponds, too, so catfish and hush puppies. Ooh. Catfish what, Stu? Catfish and hush puppies. And what was it called? It's just called catfish and hush puppies. Oh, yeah. you oh you didn't you didn't enunciate hush puppies. I, I did thought not. you had a cool dish there, but okay, whatever. I did not initiate <laughs> an, an, an enunciate. enunciate. No right. one right. said stew. Now, I was like, is, is that a dish? So check catfish and what? So Mama <laughs> yeah. made caramel cake. Ooh, caramel cake. Ooh. And do you know how to make the frosting? No. No, but I hear you. it involves hobbits and tree elves. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, energy food for those, yes. Yeah. You caramelize sugar. In other words, you, oh, you just, just cook the sugar. You just cook it, the sugar till yeah. it's liquid and caramelized. Mm. It takes a blowtorch to cut off a piece, but oh, it's worth oh, it. It is yeah. good, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so we're all right on the tater tot casserole does yes. seal the cracks of the heart. And <laughs> this show is about the authority of Scripture. I know, right? Also leading us to true salvation in I'm the authentic Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to have like a food segment. Maybe, uh, maybe. maybe even start a food channel here. I mean, last week we had, last week we had Scott Mills with us talking about faith, family stuff, uh, yes. the movies, and and all that. Yeah. We've had Don Keith talk about writing. Mm-hmm. You know, we've yeah. had Al Robertson talk about you know fame and, and different things like that. Yeah, I think that we need to have a food element to this, and I don't know <laughs> if it can be weekly, but I definitely think we definitely we have the skill set here. I think so. Yeah, we can so. succeed with food <laughs> broadcasting. There is something spiritual. <laughs> there is something spiritual, and I, I can't put yeah. my finger on it. I can't necessarily explain it, but there's Breaking something very spiritual. Together. Breaking bread together, and eating together. There's, right. there's a bond that takes place. Because there was even a portion in the Bible that warns people about there's certain scenarios where you shouldn't eat. Right. Sit down and eat with. With someone, so, and that's where the yeah. con- that's where that's where context matters. Context because I, I was talking with somebody a couple years ago who used that exact e- example as to why they think I'm a Bible idiot. Okay, okay. okay. The, by the way, the, the whole Bible idiots brand came out of me literally being called an idiot for believing the Bible. I'm like, all right, I'll take Among it. Among other things, I think that the, <laughs> I think that the power of the gospel is so strong it is. that it can outweigh all this. I don't even have to respond. I'm fine. Right. I'm the Bible idiot. Let's just take it on as a moniker I'll and go take forward. That. Yeah. But it's because it says break bread, even you know, feel free to eat with them. Show them respect, and then there's other passages that say, "Don't even eat with them. Mm-hmm. Do not break bread with them. You know, shun them. Uh, come out from among them. Get get rid of them in your life." And so, what's the balance? Well, how can the Bible be so contradictory on that? It's context. Yeah, yeah. It's yep. context of those who are lost, who are on their way towards salvation, versus those who are lost who hate you and want to hurt you. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. And then Big even difference. and even in the Corinthian church, you know, Paul's like. Throw that guy out of the church and let Satan tear, you know, melt off some of that flesh. And then when the church wouldn't let him back in, he's like, hey, let him back in. Right, <laughs> Otherwise, you right. know, it, yeah. you don't want to give Satan a foothold. So, I mean, it's all context. It's all it is context. context. Yeah. And then the other thing, it's honesty. Honesty is so important. Mm-hmm. If you are doing something and it makes you look bad, like, for example... Emily really ruins tater tot casserole. Just admit Never it. Never going to happen. Just admit it. I'll be the judge of that. I know. But what I'm <laughs> saying is, is when when, yes, when we make will. mistakes, we can apologize. And yes. if that's not good enough for right. folks, that's fine. But at least you you realized you you. What's the name of the show? No apology. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just checking. Yeah. No. Just wanted the, to know. The, the point is is that yeah we we are expected to apologize for what we don't feel sorry for. Exactly. Right. We're expected right. to apologize for the things that are exactly. life giving, that are life saving, that are going to change people's lives, not just for next year, yeah. not just for the next decade, but for eternity. Yeah. No, we're not going to apologize yeah. for that. We're going to just try to right. show you out of love what it means to be a Christian. I just saw the opening. I took it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but That's you know what? your honorary it, Danielson thing working. There it you go. Actually, I don't know anybody else who does that. It now. actually <laughs> is kind of important because we uh, we do, we're entitled, no apology. And Chris, you make a really good point that it's like when we've done something wrong, we're commanded to apologize, yeah. but we are not commanded to apologize for how someone else feels. Right. That's right. that's within their realm of control. And as long as we've done nothing wrong, then we yeah. don't need to apologize. Mm-hmm. And we talked earlier about how, uh, you know, <laughs> to avoid controversy is to avoid Christ. Yeah. And so know what you're apologizing for. Be exactly. ready to apologize. 
when you you're sinful. To. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, there um, no apology. You want, apology. you want to be an honorary Shaw? No. Uh, my, How? No. No. No, well, no desire. I'm a Danielson. <laughs> I love being a Danielson. This might talk you into it. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> my dad says never apologize. It's a sign of weakness. Oh. Mm. Yeah. He also said, Shaw. I swear, if you had a brain, you'd take it out and play with it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that yeah. could be a bit on the show, and he didn't. <laughs> and he didn't apologize. Right, and never put it away. Yeah. And then it would lay out in the driveway, yeah. and he'd run mm. over it with the car. Wow. <laughs> well, Emily, you got to yeah. take us out. All uh, right. This Sounds is uh, this is the end of the show. Thank you for hanging out with our nonsense yeah. on this week. We are just getting rolling. Freshroadmedia.com. Freshroadmedia.com is the website. It's listener-supported broadcast outreach. It's not just this podcast. It's going to be so much more, and we'd love for you to learn more about it. And not only that, when you go to freshroadmedia.com, look at the Be On The Show link. Yeah. There's a link there. You can click that and record a voice message, which we can then play on the show as you take on our questions of the week and the other things that we're going to start generating on that website, freshroadmedia.com. Yeah. Emily, bring us home. Yeah, add your two cents. We'd love to hear from you. Also, one other thing uh, on the website, you can read my latest blog. There's several of them up there. Would love to have you join us however you deem appropriate. Uh, go to freshroadmedia.com. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I hope you were encouraged. And I hope that you will earnestly seek the Lord Jesus Christ on behalf of Chris and Mike and I. Thanks for listening. <laughs>